Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Pirate Ship Sales Back to Betting Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Normally I grade it. I don't get it. Explain. <laughs> well, pirate ship is, is how Dave Portnoy and a lot of the Barstool folks describe the new era of, of non-pen ownership. When, oh. when, when Penn sold Barstool back to Dave Portnoy for a dollar, it was a return to Barstool's pirate ship ways is the way that, that they all discuss uh, what, the, what, what era they're in right now. Okay, so if, if we're going through well-known pirates, give me who would Dave be? B. <laughs> oh man, uh, my my pirate knowledge is I gotta. You admit, know it's enough quite pirates. Small. Come on, I know Blackbeard. I know yeah, Sir Francis good. Drake. I know the the guy from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Um, okay, I, that, Johnny, that could Johnny be Depp's, Johnny Depp's. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Bottenhausen way in here. <laughs> I would say the swashbuckling guy from the movie would be Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, there you go. Yeah, taking bites of pizza and letting the world know what he thinks. <laughs> De Bloom and pizza, right? That's all, that's all we need to know. Anyway, the important news here, Mr. Novi Williams, is that Barstool, which we all knew licensed its name to pen the thinking being that all the stoolies, see that reference I know, they would simply, due to brand loyalty, rush to anything that was branded Barstool Bet, Barstool Sportsbook, and say, this is where I'm going to go and put my money. And, well, things just didn't really work out that way. And, of course, the heavily regulated world of gaming didn't really dovetail nicely with uh, Dave uh, the Pirate, so to speak. So that was unwound. And wait a minute, like... I look up, and here they are again getting back into sports betting in a very – I'm trying to see what surprises me here. The fact that they're going back in – I mean, I understand it's a different deal, and you'll explain that. Or if I'm Penn, that I only had such a short lockup period that here they are knocking on my door again. Yeah, the, I think you you nailed it there, Scott. There's there's two stories happening here simultaneously. Kurt, and did you me, hear that? I nailed it. <laughs> and shout out to Kurt Bodenhausen, our colleague. Uh, Special day when Bodenhausen joins. Must be a, must be some valuations we're going to talk it's about. Sportacast returning champion. Jump in whenever uh, you want, uh, though, Kurt. You can really just talk right over Nova um, Williams. It's easy. But but yeah, I think the, the the more interesting part of this story, Scott, is the, is the pen piece of this. That that pen paid an aggregate five hundred something million dollars to buy Barstool. They wrote off eight hundred and fifty million when they sold it. Back Back to, to, to Dave Portnoy for a dollar. The, the, the Barstool sports book did not work, and the economics failed, and, and, and Penn lost a lot of money on it. Um, and not only did he did, did Penn give away Barstool back to Dave, but uh, it, there's, there's clearly value in this in some way. And, and a lot of people have asked me, Scott, in the past six months since that deal was announced, what's the lockup period here? If Barstool wants to get back into betting in some capacity, how long until how long did Penn restrict them from doing so? And the answer is is six months from what I understand. Football season. It's, yeah, it's football season. The end season. of the That's football season. I think this DraftKings, unless something goes horribly wrong, this DraftKings Barstool deal is going to be announced right after the Super Bowl. Um, the fact that they didn't even, Penn didn't even have the leverage to negotiate a way for that Barstool wouldn't help one of ESPN bet and Penn's biggest competitors moving forward, I think is one of the most fascinating parts of this. Um, so yeah, I think there's a Barstool story here, but it's also a continuing story of the, 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 the business mistake that Penn made when it got in bed with Barstool in the, in the, in the first place and also how that deal was, was unwound. Well, clearly wall street, at least some investors liked it because in the 
minutes right after our story hit, you saw a bump in DraftKings stock. So yeah. people at least like the idea. I think it have we come back to Earth yet? I haven't looked since we started recording. Um, but it looked as if you know folks were liking the fact that 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 brand anyway was going to be involved in sports betting. Yeah, it's such an interesting question because the the again the Barstool Sportsbook did not work. It didn't work economically, and and obviously DraftKings believes there is value in having Barstool as a partner. And, and to be clear, this deal that they're talking about doesn't create a new Barstool Sportsbook. It's always going to be DraftKings. It's just a marketing deal. Dave Portnoy and everyone at Barstool will talk about DraftKings odds. They'll mention DraftKings. They can share in the economics of people that they refer to DraftKings. But Barstool has a, a a largely young male, avid betting consumer. That is true. The, the question is, does that convert? Is there a way to convert that into a sticky, loyal betting customer? Penn obviously failed with that. We'll see how DraftKings does. But it's interesting to me that the market loves this because, at least so far, I think DraftKings has struggled, or Barstool rather, has struggled a little bit to be a funnel for a specific sports book. Well, Eben, this is actually going to dovetail nicely here. Did you know I met Kurt Bodenhausen uh, at the OTB on like 70th Street on the Upper West Side? He and I were both in our dirty, stained white T-shirts. He was a cigar smoker at the side, so he was just chomping on it. I think we were... Uh, Betting we on were, Phillies and uh, I think Santa we were Anna? Both, yeah, we were, we were both eyeing the sixth at Aqueduct. I think it was a, uh, a horse called Broken Down Business or something like that. It was, a, it was that. a mutter, yeah. Yeah, a tough mutter. And yeah, I think we lost our shirts that day. But So now we decided to like, work together and do other things. Uh, Bodden has usually This is a Boston beat. story also, right? Two, two Boston, two, this is a Boston story also, yes. right? Two, yeah, two, two Boston yeah, companies. Sure. Yeah. Two yep. Boston yeah. companies coming Look together. I was going to say, why don't you give me your take on, on what you see here? That's it, apart I from see it as a Boston that was it. story. There you go. It, yeah, more, more dirty water. <laughs> and, and, and we uh, should shout out, Scott, our Sportico, Erica uh, Ares Badan, who, who is the former now. Barstool CEO was at an event of ours in December. She kind of hinted at the idea that Barstool would be getting back into betting at that event. Um, so there's a there's a little bit of a of, of a uh, of a shout out to our events as well. Something that happened on stage in December uh, with us. But but, but yeah, this is a this, it's going to be fascinating to see how this works out. The, the the sports betting business writ large is still kind of stuck in this world where they're paying big money to to media companies to podcasts for customer acquisition. And everybody, and, and, and DraftKings is among them, everyone talks about this future world where they're, they're entrenched in their business well enough to not need to do it in the same way that Uber and, and Lyft talked about that a decade ago. Um, but there's still, it's, it's early days, sure, but, but there's still an open question about, is, is there a, a future where these companies don't need to spend this much money to acquire new customers? And, and, and maybe they don't need huge marketing deals like this one. Uh, I always say, how do and why do? We've talked about UX. We've talked about brand affinity. We've talked about, for me, if, if I was going to go place a bet, I want, I want the best line. That's like the only thing that matters to me is who's given me a half a point. Like, I, I just don't understand why I would pick one over the other, like DraftKings versus FanDuel versus, you know, whatever, points bet, uh, which may be more towards your, your sophisticated uh, gambler. But if one had... You know, if I wanted to go one way on a game and it had an extra half point, that's the one I'm using. Like, even if I'm loyal to one of them, I'm going the other way. I, yeah, I you just, say, I don't you, get it. Like, I'm riding New Jersey Transit. I'm getting bombarded with ads for both companies. I, I don't care. I just want to win money. You say that often, Scott. You are definitely in a minority there, and I'm curious. I don't know if you gamble. I'm very all, comfortable Kurt, being in the minority. Would, would do. But, but the, the the truth is, or from people I talk to in the industry, is that price sensitivity is is, is really not that baked in. And, I don't and, understand how that can be. 
And as soon as these companies know that you're price sensitive, Scott, you're like the least valuable customer. Yeah, of course. Them, right? You're the guy who right. doesn't bet very much money and actually. But cares I don't about understand the price. how everybody. <laughs> like, what's the whole purpose yeah. of doing it? The purpose is to win, right? It's to I, win the bet. If somebody makes it more attractive for me to go on one of the game I'm interested in, if I bet more money, maybe there's like there should be a promotion. And, and stop me if there is. I don't know this, but let's say I reach it. Like I go to Starbucks, I get stars, I get free stuff. Okay, yeah. so I've made this. I've wagered X amount of dollars. So on my next bet, I get the option of moving a half point on the line one way or the other. Give me that. I'll be loyal to that sports book. That's <laughs> you, the one I want to go with. You can buy a half point at, at some of these, obviously. Yeah, the, the but that odds, changes the odds. The odds exactly. But I, no, no, see, I don't want that. I, I want as a loyal customer, I want, I want the ability to change the odd because I'm loyal to you. Yeah, there is again. There, there's so much uncertainty about what what people are loyal to. Is it pricing? It doesn't seem to be. Is it UX experience? I think to a degree, there's kind of two tiers in my opinion. There's a few sports books that are all on the same tier of very efficient, easy to get money in and out, and the UX experience is okay. And then there's a number of them that 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 are that are bad at that. Um, there are people out there that are just got the first one or, or the one that was giving them the most money and got kind of stuck in a habit of using that. Um, but from a, again, from a product standpoint, which is the point you're making, Scott, yeah, there's very little differentiation. Yeah. And, 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 and one of the questions is, is, is partnering with, is being the one that Dave Portnoy talks about to the millions of people that listen to him on betting advice and stock advice and, and all of the, the, the oh, shows God, that Barstool hurt. has, is that valuable? And haven't it, we already it learned wasn't the that valuable no. to Penn? Yeah, have, and, haven't and we learned valuable to Barstool? Go ahead, I don't think he converts people. It's, it's that new better um, yeah. because because I think I, I, I agree with Evan uh, sorry Scott but I, I think that's people right. are smarter than me on this that's people <laughs> are people are loyal to what they use so you order yeah. everything from Amazon you, 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 I don't I don't look what the price is at Target or Walmart I just click the button on Amazon and, really? and I watch I'm paying watch you my, too much that's I, it I, that, that's, I, that's I, the I, only <laughs> thing I take away that Sportico is paying Bottenhausen too much that he does not comparison shop for all the Prada and Xenia stuff that he wears on a daily basis. <laughs> I, I, I watch it with my kids who have uh, online accounts and, and you know they talk to their friends and, and they, all, they all use whatever they want to use. They, you know, they, they stick with DraftKings and, and there's all sorts of loyalty bonuses and they're, they're constantly tapping you on the shoulder to do something. And I think it's, it is a more sophisticated gambler that is chasing that half point, I think. Uh, th- than the casual person that, that is, uh, can be a serial user and sp- be spending a lot of money. All right. Speaking of sophistication, let us pivot to WWE Raw. No more sophisticated program out there than that. But, I mean, I think we were all taken aback. And, by the way, I say that as a kid who grew up as a WWE fan. I took my son to Madison Square Garden, who, and then he proceeded to beat the living crap out of me for a week with elbows to the back of the head. I mean, it, it is wonderful, wonderful, and I, I'm air quoting, family entertainment. He bought, he bought a Lucha Libre mask. Of course, you know, so they got me for the merch. They got me for the food and bev. The per, I was a, a, a wonderful per cap for WWE. Tickets, <laughs> merch, uh, food and bev. You know, hey, Dad, want more popcorn? I want a, I want a soda. I want a this. So perfect. They, they, they love every bit out of me. But I was a kid. I went to Stony Brook University. I tell the story of meeting or having Big John Studd walk past me, and I was scared out of my mind. This guy was so big, 
and you know he was like the nasty guy you know so he he was the, the bad character scared the hell out of me but i mean we wake up to the headline oh, that's a big two, boy i just googled yeah, big john stud oh, big john, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two, big john two d's john, on stud yeah. by the way right yeah, two yeah. d's on stud <laughs> yeah. and by the way Should i brought up four. jim the anvil nightheart last time and he kurt eben had no idea who i was talking about the heart foundation of course Jimmy the mouth he, yeah he doesn't know any of it i mean i mean yeah, just just stop just stop um but we wake up like multiple headlines from like endeavor properties the other day it was like we had the rock uh joining the board of tko right um or ww what what was it what did he join the board i think it was TKO. tko board yeah, right TKO. He, he joined the tko board which is the parent of, of ufc and parent of ufc wwe right he gets the the rock back to the, the license for the rock name that is part of the deal and by the way he gets 30 million bucks uh as part of that deal but the bigger part then boom like five minutes later i believe is this announcement that Raw has signed a new deal with none other than Netflix. So do we say, what, $5 billion over 10 years, so $500 million a year, quick math by me, do we say that Netflix, and the headline, Kurt, was that this is Netflix getting into live sports. Here we go, right? The, the dam is open, the floodgates, whatever you want to say. Am I considering this Netflix is getting into live sports, or am I considering this into scripted entertainment, what, what am I – is this akin to the NBA? Is this akin to the NFL? Or do you push this totally aside as a separate property? I, I push it aside. I mean, it's sports-related content. I, I look at it as dipping your toes into documentaries. This is, this is not live sports. This is, this is sports and entertainment. Uh, and listen, it's a, it's, I think it's a great move on, bo- on both sides. I mean, they're talking about the double. It's a doubling of what they were receiving before, two hundred and fifty million dollars a year. When when this merger happened, of WWE and uh, UFC under the under the TKO banner, um, it, this was really what's going to happen with media. What, what's the future of it? And, and this, obviously, the market reacted very positively and, and looks at it as a as a as a strong deal. And this is a loyal audience. Uh, that has that held up for decades now. Uh, so I, I don't think suddenly Netflix is, we've been waiting for Netflix to see what are they going to do in sports? What are they going to do in sports? Really haven't touched it. Uh, and this just kind of seems more the same of their current strategy, whether it, you know, focus on documentaries and, and other related content and, and not uh, live sports from my perspective. Yeah, I'm focused more on the other word. We can debate whether it's sports or not, but it is live. And, and that, to me, is an interesting thing for Netflix. Netflix has, has gradually dipped its toe in here. We've talked about, Scott, the Love is Blind fiasco, the crazy Love is Blind situation last year. Um, they, they did that beautifully chaotic golf thing a couple, a couple months ago. I don't know if either of you guys watched that. You know um, I didn't. But this is, this is the most comprehensive thing Netflix, by a mile that Netflix will be doing live. And, and, and to me, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot they're going to learn from that. And, and who knows? Maybe they do feel like suddenly having more uh, appointment viewing live things, i.e. sports, is going to be valuable for them. Or maybe they do this for a while and realize, oh, we, we, we maybe don't want to be the appointment viewing app. We want to be the app that you binge or the app that you, you know, watch at weird hours or things like that. So, yeah, t- to me, the live part is interesting, is that this is the first kind of real appointment viewing live programming to my knowledge that netflix is really paying up for and that will be fascinating to see this podcast is sponsored by ramp are you the decision maker in your company consider this for the first time in decades there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform meet ramp the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value 
Ramps business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramps software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I always think there's a lot. Uh, the shoulder programming seems to be just as important to Netflix as whatever that live would be. There's a million things creative they can do with wrestlers around simply showing the events. And we got sort of a, a peek at a strategy when Netflix was eyeing the World Surf League. Again, that, that's got to be a lifestyle thing. It's got to be more than just watching the, the yeah. ride of the wave. And there had to be so much more. And, of course, they couldn't reach a deal. And it turns out, I believe, today, as a matter of fact, World Surf reached a deal with ESPN. So the more, a, more, a more traditional route. But uh, whether it's Apple, whether it's YouTube, yeah, we're still waiting. Like, is ESPN, are they quaking in boots? You know, if I'm the NBA, I'm like, great. Anything that signals other people are getting involved and I'm looking to 2X, yeah. 3X, like, I'm very happy here because and if, if you're ESPN, you got to have the NBA, right? You got to have the NFL. But the war chest for these other companies is just so much bigger. If they want it, they can get it. That is not a comfortable place for ESPN to be. Yeah, the, the, there is a caveat there that, that, that the three of us have talked about before, which is I, I would bet that when, when these raw rights are up, even if Netflix wants to keep it, um, I'm not convinced there's going to be a huge increase in value. Like I think that the the way that these companies are thinking about these rights and 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 because they have so much more money and other businesses got, I, I do wonder if the if the leverage that they will use not now but they will use further down the line when they're more entrenched in this industry is quite a bit different. So All right. well, how can yeah, we they have money? Segue? But I would be worried about their 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 ever going willingness to spend it. All right. Well, how can we possibly segue from such a discussion of these sort of alternate broadcasters streaming to MLS and Kurt's valuations? Is there a logical move there, Kurt? Is is there some way we can tie together those two subjects? Because if there is, yeah, is there any way we can make a fruitful discussion here? Um, I'll be typing it on my Macintosh. Keep it. um, if, if, If there's a way to do that, would you please do it for me? Oh, very, very smooth transition. Yes, uh, 100% MLS valuations. We entered 2023. Everybody was looking to Apple, looking to Leagues Cup. These two big initiatives, Leagues banking on all these new fans coming in and opportunity ahead. And then they got a gift in their lap. Lionel, most famous person on the planet, decided to come play. Uh, Wait, do we, in, whoa, whoa, in their whoa, whoa. this is where, hold on, Kurt. This is where we take 10, 20 seconds to debate. Leo Messi, most famous person on the planet? Really? Are we doing that? On the, on the Mount Rushmore, right? The, I don't know. The, the don't Pope. Know. Is Messi, Cristiano I, I, Ronaldo. I, I would say Ronaldo's more famous than Messi right there. In, he's, not, I'm gonna say he's not even the most famous soccer player. <sighs> I don't know. And the World Cup may have changed that. May have. I think. Yeah. All right. yeah. I think well, they're let's trending go to the in Bible of popularity. Directions. Let's go to the Bible of popularity. Who's going to look up the Instagram followers? That's all I need to know. Well, well, it's that, definitely, that, that it's is Ronaldo. Ah, Ronaldo's exactly. number one on Instagram followers. <laughs> there we go. I knew who, you'd know who, who rounds Messi out our Mount Rushmore two. here? The, the Pope, Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, and who, who else are we putting on the most famous people in the world? Most famous? Oh, boy. Man, this is tough. Most famous people. Like, I always say, you know, like in the sports realm, I go, run, or, um, I go The Rock. 
you know, Hollywood. Yeah, Taylor right. Swift? Taylor Country's Swift? A bunch of people. I, I don't know enough about Taylor Swift's popularity in non-English-speaking countries. It's certainly possible. Yeah. Right. Anyway, <laughs> we're back. Uh, Kurt, pick up yeah, where you sorry. left off. We, yeah. we are very a good at tangents over. here, yeah. but if anybody wants to... 40 add, years ago, we would have said Arnold Schwarzenegger. We so would have. It's, uh, yeah, huge, well, he vowed to be back, and he has not come yes. back, so... Uh, MLS... Uh, so let's Messi sprinkle a little bit of pixie dust uh, on all the clubs, but none more so than Inter Miami uh, revenue more than double, and, and that was in half a season this year. Uh, they're looking at two hundred million dollars in revenue, which is just, I mean, from MLS economics, the average team generates seventy million dollars. So they're going to be three x what the average team does, um, and, and so. You know, but, uh, but obviously Messi's only here for another two seasons. And so MLS has a great opportunity, but they have a great challenge because that's great. That's a great injection of cash, people spending money on sponsors, tickets, suites, all to see Messi. Uh, but you've you got to be thinking long term. How do you capitalize on this moment? And, and listen, every, all, the, all 29 teams and the league is focused on this idea. Uh, how do you know, Because... Say 10 new fans came to MLS in 2023. 10 are not sticking around in 2026 when presumably Messi's gone, but it's also not zero. So they're trying to find out how many, uh, what percentage of those fans we can keep long term. So they have a lot going for it. Uh, brand, you know, great infrastructure in terms of the stadium. A lot of local environments have been incredible atmosphere. But you have some of these legacy teams desperately need new stadiums. And so that's where MLS is right now in terms of uh, where they go from here. What else? Give me, give me your other headlines. Or give me your average franchise value. Give me, give well, me yeah, your I, I want to talk some numbers real quick. With the, for folks who haven't seen the list, LAFC number one, $1.15 billion. Atlanta, United, Inter-Miami, and LA Galaxy, all above a billion dollars. Hey, let's tell people about Atlanta yeah. United. I still don't think that story gets told enough. Okay. Who, 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 was it, who, who was it that told us? That the the experience was it Arthur Blank himself who told it us was the Arthur Atlanta, Blank himself. It was yeah. Arthur himself, the owner yeah. of both teams, when he said, "Frankly, the ex- the game day experience for Atlanta United is better than the Falcons." Yeah, uh, they have built an unbelievable following in there. It's interesting. LAFC clear number one, and then you have three teams that are really close together: two, three, four. Uh, you have uh, Atlanta United number two, Inter Miami number three, LA Galaxy uh, number four. And, and they're really bunched together in value. And, and it's really, what are, what are you looking for? Uh, they offer three very different opportunities uh, for anybody that was looking to buy one of those clubs. Uh, Inter Miami is the kind of shiny new toy. LA Galaxy has the legacy and is a soccer-specific stadium. And then Atlanta United plays in an NFL stadium, but incredible following, huge fan base. Uh, but MLS is really... MLS works differently in the other leagues as a single entity, but they are really pushing uh, the, the teams to think about revenue more so, and they are incentivizing them. Uh, and a big change last year was cutting the percentage of ticket revenue that the league keeps from 33% to 10%. So that helps clubs like LAFC, Atlanta United, that generate tons of ticket revenue. And, of course, it helped everybody that hosted Lionel Messi last year just in time. Yeah, be, be honest, Kurt, because Eben and I both ran, against, uh, ran up against this for probably, I don't know, the last five years, Eben, where there was a lot of skepticism among the people who do these deals, the people who help arrange the, uh, the buying and selling of NFL or NBA teams. A lot were on the sidelines. Clients would come to them and say, hey, this soccer thing, you know, I, I can't, I've been hearing about it for a while. 
is this a place I should be looking? Is this an opportunity? Is it overvalued? Is it overhyped? And I think the answer from a lot of banker perspective for a lot of years was, yes, I think you should stay on the sidelines. I, I'm, I'm not a believer. Uh, and those people were not well served. Yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's a great point. And, and we, we've seen it uh, in, the, in the past where, again, this is, not, this is not the best soccer league in the world. That is very different than the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball. Uh, the global soccer ecosystem is much different. You have a lot of leagues competing for the same fans, the same corporate dollars, the same eyeballs. Uh, MLS has created good local environments, um, but it doesn't run across the whole league. There's, there's traditionally been no TV money until now, and even some skeptics out there when the Apple deal was done, that there wasn't much TV money there when you're talking about $8 million on average for an annual rights fee per team. Uh, and, and so, again, I think the jury's still out. Uh, revenue multiples have compressed uh, as, as the league has grown up a little bit. Revenues are up a lot, so no longer is it the most valuable uh, or richest sports league in the world when it comes to revenue multiples, the NBA, uh, where their soaring values has passed it. Uh, so it, it needs to continue to grow. There, there's a lot of work for MLS to do, but there's a lot of opportunity ahead leading into 2026 World Cup. I see. I've been smiling. I just want to see if the words revenue or creative are going through his head. For you know, That's a follow of our last podcast. I just see if he was going there. <laughs> Never again. Um, I, I actually want to stick on the revenue multiples for a second, Kurt, because I, I agree with you, Scott, that the there's no doubt that the way the market thinks about MLS has changed dramatically in the last five years. I have been curious if that was because of MLS changes in MLS business, or if that was because of change in everything else in that they changed the way they thought about valuations in every other league. Cause it seems to me because of the revenue multiples you're talking about that in some ways, the way people were valuating other teams has moved towards the way we were valuating MLS teams, right? The, the average NBA team sells now for a higher multiple than MLS. That to me indicates that maybe people were wrong about the other teams, Some, other leagues. Somebody's and paying attention to our Lev Akabas <laughs> graphics. Like in his, somebody's paying attention to the, to the data viz. I, th- I think there is some of that going on. Uh, I, I think that there was a case, you know, as popular and as attractive as the franchises were that NFL teams and NBA teams have been grossly undervalued. Yeah. Uh, if, if you look at the run-up in valuations and MLS fed, uh, you know, they've kind of been caught up in this tailwind with, you can't buy an NBA team. You can't buy an NFL team because you know it costs you four billion, five billion, six billion dollars to get one of those. But you really want to be a sports owner. MLS, MLS is a nice option where you could buy control of a team for a couple hundred million dollars. And if you don't have a couple hundred million dollars, well, then you start looking at NWSL and WNBA. So I mean, it filters all the way down. The, the appetite for to be a sports team owners uh, is pretty is insatiable right now, and 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 that helps. Uh, raise the bar for all these teams. I do want to mention real quick before we wrap that um, there are 10 NHL teams worth less than those big four MLS teams that Kurt mentioned. So there's four MLS teams worth more than a billion dollars. There are 10 NHL teams that that, that, that's Kurt and Sportico currently value below a billion dollars. So just to give people a sense of how MLS and its gradual upward creep is starting to kind of mesh its way in with the NHL, uh, there is a lot of overlap if you look at all of the North American teams by valuation. There's a decent chunk of overlap at the top of MLS and the bottom of, of NHL. Well, we also have, let's look at Tailwinds Headwinds. Uh, we are coming up to a, a few pretty big soccer events coming into North America. 
Um, and in fact, like the women's broadcast deal is sort of, you know, looking to take, take advantage of that, that very world cup. For sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, do, I only see it growing right now, Kurt. I mean, I, do you see tailwind versus headwinds? Like what, what, what do you uh, see? The, the, the headwind really is what happens next. Uh, there, there's, there's only one messy, but there's a lot of conversation is how do we bring in more players and how do you compete with the bankrolls of the EPL, the Saudi league? La Liga, you know, uh, across the board. And so there's, there's a, certainly a contingent of owners that want to go full steam ahead uh, and spend, 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 and they, they need to raise the uh, level of play on the field. But listen, the reality is that they're all losing, after debt service, they're basically all losing money as it is right now. And, and so uh, there's a lot of different things being talked about right now. There's, there's talk of maybe a player acquisition fund uh, that could be supported by a third party, maybe some institutional money comes in and, and writes a check to, to help uh, spur this process on. Uh, the MLS has done it before where they sold a stake in some back in 2012 before buying it back. Uh, so right now they're, they're, they're figuring out what the future looks like in terms of the rules because they want MLS to be a top five league, not just franchise valuations. We did global franchise values last year. 18 of the top 50 were MLS. But that's the closed ecosystem props up the values of all these teams, not having to worry about relegation. No relegation but yeah. They want to be a top five league on the field, and, and they are not there right now. 2027 is going to be a, the definitive year in MLS, in mm-hmm. my opinion. The, the yep. World Cup, the American, North American World Cup will be in the rearview mirror. Leo Messi will probably be gone. And I think those two things will combine to really level set where MLS is. Yep. With, without Messi here, without the, the bauble that everybody talks about, the World Cup here in the U.S. in 2026, with that in the rearview mirror, I think we're going to really have a sense of what the appetite is here for, for MLS, how good the, the, the quality is on the field, what Messi's impact did and didn't do from a sustainability standpoint. I think 2027 is the year that things really shake out in terms of what, what MLS clubs are worth and, and where the league goes from there. What New York restaurant will host the Kylian Mbappe uh, welcome to MLS <laughs> press conference? Do we know? What, what do we uh, it's French. So it's, yeah, Den, right? Yeah, Den is where yeah, Kylian exactly, Mbappe yeah. will be welcome to MLS. We got perfect. I love it. That's what it's going to be. Uh, Badenhausen, you know we love when you join us. I love that it was beyond just uh, just the valuations today. But again, if I may, uh, in in this uh, very public forum, dude, love it. I mean, you know, I'm up at midnight when it publishes. I, I like to see the immediate. That makes one of us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm up for a number of reasons, but that's really one of them. I like to promote it early, and I like to see the feedback and the way it just gets pushed around the world. Um, I, I love every single time you do it. I love it. Great work, and uh, we appreciate you joining us. Agreed. And for folks who want more Kurt, you can find him on Twitter at more K. Badenhausen. Kurt. More Kurt. You can more find Kurt. Scott for more Scott at Soshnik. You can find me Nobody for more Evan more at Novi underscore going to Badenhausen. The show is produced by Aaron Greenewald. Thank you very much to Aaron. Sportico's digital media editor, Cora Veltman, would like you to know that you can follow the Sportacast, uh, the show at Sportacast, little stumble right there. which is the hub of the Sportico media right before the line.